At Wheaton Park District, we manage 54 parks, dozens of playgrounds, tennis courts, and a mini golf and skate park. We have an accredited zoo, a county museum, multiple athletic fields and sports complex, two swimming pools, 150 acres of nature preserves, and a 27-hole golf course and banquet facility. Everything else is just a talk in the park. Everyone, please welcome Jenny Thuman, lead zookeeper and animal welfare coordinator uh, for Cosley Zoo, to the podcast. Hi. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you landed at Cosley Zoo? Sure. I actually grew up in Massachusetts. I, yeah, I studied culinary arts. I was going to be a cook. Interesting leap. Yeah. A little and, uh, different than what you do right now. It's a little different. You know, if you cut the strawberries just right, the turtles will eat them. Okay. <laughs> right. So I put my skills to work. It's nice. Okay. It came full circle. It <laughs> totally did. Uh, so I got into cooking and quickly realized, like, I was really unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I went to a community college, um, like, job fair. Okay. And I talked with a couple of counselors, mm-hmm. and they started me on this path. And so I graduated in 2004 with a degree in wildlife care and education, and then did an internship at my local zoo where I grew up visiting. And within 10 weeks, they hired me. And it's been no looking back. So I worked there for eight years, mm-hmm. uh, full-time taking care of bison and deer, um, harbor seals, Black fun. bears, like lots of fun animals. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most fun were I worked with two uh, Asian Ooh. elephants. Okay. So they were very cool. Wow. Sounds like a little bit bigger zoo than Five Cosley? acres bigger than Cosley. <laughs> Five acres larger, and it was still native animals. The only mm-hmm. reason that they had elephants there at the time was they had always had elephants since like 1968. Yeah. Um, and the girls are still there, and I visit them when I go home to see my mom. Okay, so I I want to go back. How did this counselor get you from cooking <laughs> to zoo? Like, what kind of questions? Like, did you have animals growing up? Like, did you always, like, have a kinship towards that? Like, how did you kind of navigate? Because that's not necessarily close right. in the spectrum of it's education. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all. Um, so he... I was wearing, um, there's an artist, his name is uh, Whalen, and he he depicts a lot of marine life, paints a lot of dolphins. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> a lot of whales. Uh, and I happened to have one of those t-shirts on. And uh, he started to ask me a little bit about it and um, asked me what I wanted to do when I was a kid. And I said, I think it would be so cool to train Shamu. <laughs> That was the one question. And, right. and, you know, from there we just started talking and he's like, you know, zookeeping is a real job. It's a thing you get mm-hmm. paid to do. And that blew my mind. I thought it was all volunteers. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. Nobody knows. I mean, when they're Who young, knew? nobody knows. Even going into college, nobody right, knows yeah. what they want to do with their right. life. It's very rare that people stick with their careers from there when they were little. Right. And uh, so based on that, he started me an environmental science track um, and in high school, I really struggled with learning. It wasn't easy for me. Mm-hmm. I learned much better by doing. And the small class sizes at a community college, the labs and like the topics were interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So I was able to really kind of blossom there and then learn how I learned, move mm-hmm. on to an actual accredited program after that. So. Nice. It's always nice taking a hobby into a career and getting right? paid for it. You know, it doesn't seem like a job. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wanted to be a marine biologist like almost my whole life. Like growing up as a kid, that was the only thing I wanted to do. And then in fifth grade, when we had to dissect an owl pellet and my mom had to write me a note to get out of it, I was like, uh. probably not a good career <laughs> choice to go into. Because I've like always been fascinated by like sea life and dolphins and mm-hmm. whales. Like I was like, it would be uh, just like you, it would be awesome to train Shamu, right? Right. But then when they're like, well, you mean, you know, you're going to have to dissect probably like a whale when you're in college. I'm like, nope. Not for me. I'm out. So. I'm out. That's, that's the line. I, I can't cross it. I mean, I couldn't even dissect a frog in eighth grade. Like, I luckily, I managed to get out of all of those things. But I mean, It's kind of gross when you're that young. I mean, but. Yeah, I, I think it depends, right? I yes. mean, my, growing up, my, my mom was terrible about feeding all the wildlife around our house. So we had like these weird ducks that would come into our yard and she's feeding squirrels all the time. Of course. So there was always those elements around us and, you know, we were always out playing in the dirt and always like getting dirty and Mm -hmm. and finding stuff and pulling it apart. Like, what is this? Um, And my dad had also had a lot of experience with animals. He used to teach um, trail riding on horses. And so I was always around animals. Mm -hmm. So like none of that stuff bothered me. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to dissect owl pellets, though. I was bummed. <laughs> I'm sure we could arrange it now. If you really, I do to. it when I'm cleaning. <laughs> right. <laughs> How did this digest today? Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so going off of that, then, what is a typical day for you at the zoo? So typical day, it starts with just general health checks on all of the residents, mm-hmm. um, just getting a visual on all of the animals, uh, and then we start with our barn chores. Um, we go through and so the fun stuff, right? The fun stuff, oh, yeah. <laughs> all the hard labor. Uh, but it's cool because you know you're there and it's quiet, and um, we groom all of the domestic animals before they go outside, um, just to make sure that they're nice and clean before they go out every day. Every day, wow, yeah. And How long does that take? Um, it depends. It depends on how. Uh, gross they got overnight (laughs) so today it's rainy so franklin everybody knows franklin the llama Mm -hmm. um he will come in just an absolute sandy mess and it'll probably take about a half hour to groom him out tomorrow wow whereas if he's just dry and has some straw on him it takes maybe 10 minutes okay um we don't groom the sheep they don't like it (laughs) but uh we groom everybody and so it's not just for looks i mean yes we want them to appear clean um, but it also gives us a chance to do a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're bonding at the same time. A lot of animals socially groom each other. So for us to go in there and groom them is is good for our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives us an opportunity to just check them over and make sure that if they had any bumps or scrapes, that they're healing, they don't need further treatment, or if something came up overnight um, – we catch it really quickly. We're able to get the veterinarians in um, as soon as possible to take a peek at it. After that, they all go outside to their yards for breakfast, and then then the hard work starts. We clean all those stalls mm-hmm. and then reset them for the day. Uh, a lot of people don't know that we change out the straw and bedding in those stalls daily. Um, we load everything up into the dumpster and get the zoo ready for visitors at 9 a.m. And then we move on to our wildlife areas, and we do the same thing except we don't groom them. <laughs> they don't really love to be touched, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, but throughout the course of the day, we're making observations on those animals. We're doing positive reinforcement training sessions with them, um, mm-hmm. getting them to cooperate in their health care. Um, we're also providing enrichment to make sure that they're stimulated and that they have um, activities that they can choose to participate in. 
And then there's more cleaning. I mean, that should really, mm-hmm. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. There's a lot of cleaning. <laughs> does it differ like through different seasons? It does. A lot of times, like right after a snow, um, our priorities are snow removal and we're not necessarily digging through the snow to find mm-hmm. waste that we need to clean out. Um, in the summertime, it's a lot of weeding associated with that. We want to make sure that the weeds come out. Um, Parks Department is awesome at helping us with that. They actually take the brunt of it, um, which is really nice. Um, but inside those enclosures, we need to, to weed out too. A lot of ice breaking in the wintertime, mm-hmm. uh, which is way worse than shoveling and way worse than mucking out stalls. <laughs> it's backbreaking. Um and then just working to make sure that we're not carrying too heavy a snow load in the yeah on the aviary especially. And then we do some seasonal things for the animals just to make sure that all their needs are being met. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be leaving them access to their holding spaces so that they can choose to be in the heated building or they can choose to be outside. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, they usually choose to be outside, okay. um, yeah. which is interesting yeah. to me. Uh, they're all kind of built for this this weather, these, right. these seasonal changes. With uh, in the summertime, we set up more fans, or some of the buildings have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the llamas specifically have only been shorn once since living with us. But if it's a real humid day, we'll leave them inside in front of fans, mm-hmm. and that helps them cool off. But they're approaching a length of wool that, if they were having trouble with the heat, we would go ahead and shear them now. But. Do you guys shear them yourselves? Mm-hmm. I do it. <laughs> Can I come watch? Uh, let me know. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that the llamas are not one that we do in front of the public um, because we have to give them a lot of breaks. It can be a little bit much for them. Cora does just fine. Franklin, it's hit or miss. If he's having it, it goes really well. Yeah. If he's mm-hmm. not having it, a lot of breaks, a lot of timeouts, lots of treats. <laughs> it's like a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, 400-pound child. 400-pound yeah. child. <laughs> That's a big child. That's who's sure. a, a little bit taller than me. <laughs> He's cute. He's, He's cute. Really cute. He is really cute. So, what's the most interesting thing about your job? There are a lot of things that I find interesting that a lot of other people don't find interesting, and I think that's interesting. Try us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot of animals. They're they're paired, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's two females or two males or one of each. And despite the fact that they're the same species and despite the fact they grew up in the same circumstances, their personalities are so incredibly different. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that we could do for our raccoon, Mika, who's a bit older and a little chill, that we just cannot allow Loka (laughs) to have access to because she's the reason she can't have nice things. Um, (laughs) Some animals are more destructive while some are Mm -hmm. more prone to interacting with things just very gently. There are, just like with Franklin and Cora, um, both are llamas, both are five years old. She is super chill about most things and Mm -hmm. Franklin is super extra about most things. (laughs) Something that a lot of people don't consider, uh, and I think is from a behavioralist perspective is really interesting, is just how um, how you're feeling on any given day will impact an animal's behavior. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, you probably see it with your pets at home, mm-hmm. right? I sit on the couch and I pout and I sulk and my cat comes and sits on me and my dog snoo- you know, snuggles up next to me. Mm-hmm. Even these wild animals will do the same thing. So 
anybody who's been to the zoo and has seen the coyote Wiley, he's super personable and he's very excited to see everybody. But if you're kind of having a day and you walk over and you're really subdued, he will just sit down and look at you like, tell me what's up. <laughs> nice therapist. I'm, I'm, you know. I'm here for you. <laughs> I love Wiley. <laughs> so it's, um, I think that that's really interesting. Um, so a conversation that the keepers have amongst mm-hmm. ourselves frequently is, um, you know, if you're having a great day and your emotions are running high, it's mm-hmm. actually not a great day to go train a new behavior because your animal's going to feel super amped and, and mm-hmm. super excited and, you know, maybe pump the brakes on, on the training session. Mm-hmm. Um, same is true the opposite direction. If you're feeling really subdued and down um, or if you're frustrated with something, you can impact them. So you got to be careful about mm-hmm. what what situations you put yourself into. Right. That's really interesting. Like you hear about like dolphins and horses and mm-hmm. dogs specifically that come to mind that are really intuitive and they mm-hmm. are really good with people and you know, but that's interesting. Some of the animals that I didn't expect to yeah. be intuitive. And I just wonder if that's cuz you guys work with them every day so they're used to I think that's a part of it. Even going back home to like Massachusetts, uh, I had an opportunity to go and help out one of the elephants wasn't feeling well and mm-hmm. um, I got the call that everybody dreads you know like hey we we may lose her mm-hmm. um, she's not been doing well for over a week we've flown in all these experts right we just want to give you a heads up because they're like family members mm-hmm. yeah I definitely learned a lot from them and so I went home and we bought a plane ticket and I flew out that night mm-hmm. and as soon as she started feeling better she started being a brat, <laughs> throwing stuff around and yeah. nothing dangerous. Just like, I just get out, get everybody get out. I went to go leave the next day and yeah. she, had, she kicked me out of the barn. She yeah. was like, you out. <laughs> All right, Ruth, bye. And I went to say bye. And I just like pat her on her trunk and said, see you later, jerk. <laughs> and she grabbed my leg. Really? And she pulled me in nice and close and Aww. she dropped her head a little and rumbled and, and was very nurturing. And mm-hmm. she's, it was like her way of saying sorry. Right. You That's know, amazing. we try not to anthropomorphize, but those things you just mm-hmm. kind of can't make up. Um, being reactive to people's feelings. They definitely, they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the nice thing is the animals won't know. Like picking a favorite child. <gasps> what is your favorite oh animal? They'll know. They'll know. Everybody's going to tell Franklin it's not him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Franklin, on any given day, can be my favorite. Um, I think you're his favorite, too, based on the way I've seen you guys interact. I think (laughs) you're his favorite. Actually, I know you're his favorite. (laughs) Thank you. Animal whisperer Amy over here. (laughs) I work right, but my office is located, like, right behind the zoo, so I frequent there often. Mm -hmm. He's pretty great. I've seen them. Um, There's actually... There, there are so many favorites for so many reasons. You right. know, mm-hmm. for Val and Wiley, the connections we're able to make with those two animals and mm-hmm. the guests through our programming, they inspire people, and and I appreciate them for that. Yeah. Um, but then you know we have this tiger salamander named Rowdy, who you walk into a room, she hears the door or she feels a vibration. I don't know what it is, but she immediately pokes out and is like, "You got food for me? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing?" Food? What's going on? What's going on? Food? Um, and she's just a little uh, day brightener, you know. Mm-hmm. We have our, our office cat, Zach, who Zach is cute too. on any bad day you go sit down, that, that cat is going to come sit on you and is just going to make your soul mm-hmm. whole again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's awesome. 
There's a lot of names. Like I am, I'm bad with names, and I don't know how you guys remember. Like, okay, how many animals do we have at the zoo? If you count every individual frog and uh, walking stick and cockroach and millipede, I mean, it's close to 200. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. All those guys, guys don't have names. How do you name the animals? Like. Oh, <laughs> whose responsibility is topic. it, or is that? I was going to say this uh, might not be a PC committee. answer. <laughs> it is a little. So uh, the one thing that I will say for the zoo is we're really we love fun. Like we live our value of fun. Mm-hmm. So we, everything is by committee. All the departments get along really well. So mm-hmm. everybody has an opportunity to put a name on the ballot. That's good. That gets run through Sue and. Uh, she may strike some names off of there if, mm-hmm. if she feels like they could be misinterpreted or they're not 100% appropriate. Right. We uh, get that. That happens. I mean, everywhere. You got <laughs> everywhere. S- right. Some names going to get put out there that are like, oh, I, oh, didn't, no, oh, I, I didn't forgot know. about that. Or, <laughs> you know, initials or something. Yes, and, yes, yes. Um, and then a ballot comes out and we all vote. Um, there are some that we don't do that with. So Franklin, for example, um, his, his name on his registration is Frank. Or we're like, oh, we need something a little. He's so cute. Yeah. We need something a little. Nickname or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we were going, actually, we were going back and forth by a text message. Um, I was in the passenger seat eating Culver's, and we were talking about this <laughs> via text message. Uh, like, what are we going to call him? So his name was Frank because his mom's name was Sintra, which sounded like Sinatra. Ah. So they named him Frank. Okay, interesting. That's an interesting background. That's an interesting background. Um, and we were like, nobody in this truck likes Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> so we veto. <laughs> and we wore Sue down on that one, and so she let us name him Franklin. It's a good compromise. It's a good know, compromise. Everybody still wins. Everybody mostly won. Yeah. And his personality matches his name I now. I you know. so. I think so. It's like a child. You almost like... People mm-hmm. have names for kids, and then they come out, and they're like personality, like, oh, I definitely don't see them as mm-hmm. this, or I definitely see them as this, and it, you know, it's almost the same with animals. You kind of have to see how their personality are they fun, are they yeah. subdued, mm-hmm. are they chill, are they just like whatever, and it's yeah. interesting how it, you can do it in the same with animals and, and babies and stuff. For sure, you know, Elmo and Jesse are the donkeys. They came with their names, and we didn't change them. Um, Cora also came with her name. We didn't change it. We had um, lambs in 2019 in the spring, and we recently got one of our lambs back um, from the farmer. And Mm -hmm. so we don't name them when they're born at the zoo because they always leave uh, and go back to their farm. But we got her back. So um, and her mom's name was Wilma. And so we didn't even take a vote. We're like, Winnie, that's it. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) And she's the coolest little lamb. Nice. She's neat. I've also walked around the zoo a lot of times, and I've individually named them. And then Perfect. once I found out what the actual names are, way off. I don't think I even have one name. So. But you have a special connection then. So that's kind of – that's nice. Like, you know, residents can walk up and be like, oh, the coyote is this to me because mm-hmm. some experience mm-hmm. or whatever. So, it, you know, has that attachment to, to individual. Yeah, when we've had animals go out on programs and um, they don't have a name – uh, and a little kid will ask, like, oh, what's its name? Well, what do you think the name should yeah. be? You know, and forever and always, it's, you know, Polka Dot the Hedgehog. Right. <laughs> or, yeah, just Hedgehog, maybe. I feel like that's a popular name Spike. for kids, you know. <laughs> yes, Sonic. Yep. It's always Sonic. Right. <laughs> what's the what's the oldest animal that we have at the zoo? They all 
our bobcat mm-hmm. is 18 this year. Yeah. Are we going to throw a birthday party for him? Gosh, we should, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you already kind of talked about what your typical day looks like depending on the seasons, mm-hmm. but how do you guys keep the animals safe in the summer? Obviously, when it's really hot, we had a couple really hot days last year, and then in the winter when it's cold or really snowy Negative or icy. 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened. Right. So we actually have a pretty robust crisis management and risk management um, program set up at the zoo. And those are living documents. They're never done. We're always updating because we always find out new information. Uh, So based on a couple of events that we had, that we use those crisis management protocols, procedures, Guidelines. Guidelines. One of those Um, three. One of those three, yeah. Uh, We further developed some seasonal responses and wrote out a full document that helps outline exactly when we should be making some of the changes and switchovers Mm -hmm. that we do. Uh, So we have heat and air conditioning in most of our buildings. We have fans set up in our barn, um, which is also Mm -hmm. well-ventilated. In some cases, we are clipping or shearing some of the animals as we Mm -hmm. kind of talked about Um, even the pony who oh he's actually quite old too he's about 28 he yeah he uh I always forget captain (laughs) sorry captain (laughs) um he actually needs a body clip um in the summer just to help reduce uh overheating Mm -hmm. and so we body clip him as well um, we reduce our handling of animals. We have certain thresholds that are set for them. So mm-hmm. if they're supposed to go on a program, but it's 98 degrees, uh, for their health and welfare, we don't handle them. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may do um, an ice enrichment or something cold for them to play with mm-hmm. um, just to help them cool off. We change waters more frequently. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, we do put heaters and de-icers into the ponds just to try to keep them open. Um, but we do have contingency plans to move animals mm-hmm. into uh, interior buildings if needed. And then as we are building new exhibits, we're also incorporating new and um, more permanent fixtures in their in their habitats that mm-hmm. provide them those opportunities for choice. Okay. So, for example, the bobcat exhibit is the newest one that we have, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a large rock um, on sort of the the west side just before the pond starts, um, and that's actually heated. So even when it was negative 50 degrees not that long ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, that rock was still 65 degrees. Um, so that was... The heated and, seat for him. Yeah. Now that I have a heated seat, I'm like never going back. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I don't use it to warm up. It's like a heating pad. It's great. Yeah. I don't have one yet, so I'm waiting to upgrade. You're missing soon. out. Yeah, it is. Even the bobcat has a heated seat. Hey, mark. it's all right. You know, uh, sooner or later, I'll get there. Yeah. Um, we also install uh, different shade structures so Mm -hmm. the chickens have shade sails um that we put up for them just to help Mm -hmm. create a little more um, shade in the yard for Mm -hmm. them Um, but then they also have the choice they can go in and out of their coop if they want yeah yeah i think many people might not know i think last year or in like the 29 2018 winter i think there were a few that had to sleep over at the zoo a couple times when it was really cold to try to keep the animals safe so we actually have a storm rider team uh that is comprised of actually myself another keeper and somebody from the buildings and grounds department and we will sleep at the zoo if we uh 
if we need to. So Mm -hmm. that could be because of cold. Mm -hmm. It could also be uh, because of a lot of snow forecast. It could be because there's uh, severe weather forecast yeah um, storms and mm-hmm. yeah so it's not just not just for the the colder weather but mm-hmm. and then we have had staff stay over if we've got um, an animal that needs a medication at night or if they need a feeding at mm-hmm. night um, if, if they're undergoing some treatment um, we adjust the schedules and have staff stay you guys are awesome thank you yeah i mean <laughs> amazing <laughs> seriously it's like taking care of a kid you know, but it's not your house. I mean, I got a five-month-old, and it's like, oh, I got to wake up at 1 o'clock because mm-hmm. they're sick and got to give them medicine and yep. feed them. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely this the same commitment, and it's it's definitely a, a hard job, but mm-hmm. very appreciative. It's so fulfilling, though. It, I get as much out of it as I put into yeah, it. Yeah, which is amazing right? to have that given back to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. E- even if it's just, you know, my friends are coming to see me at the zoo and mm-hmm. they're recognizing that Franklin loves me the best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, if it's an animal is showing signs of sickness or illness that they have not shown to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they will mask symptoms, wild animals especially, will mask a symptom to not appear weak. That's a natural instinct for them. Right. right. Um, but when you walk by and all of a sudden they're allowing themselves to appear vulnerable, you know that you've put enough into that relationship mm-hmm. that there's a trust. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for showing me because I'm going to call the vet now. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get checked out. That yeah. just gave me goosebumps. That sounds so special and amazing. It's it's so important, you know, to have that, to be able to establish that and right. then to be able to establish it multiple times with mm-hmm. multiple animals. Right. You know, with Val, especially our bobcat, he had injured a foot a while ago and um, he showed everybody he was hurt. <laughs> he was like, this foot hurts. But he, because of the trust that we have, we were able to get the veterinary in there, veterinarian in there and she was able to... Uh, feel his foot and feel his paw without having any anesthesia um and it was perfectly safe for her it was comfortable for him he could walk away at any time but he recognized with all the people that were around him like no this needs to happen Mm -hmm. and he volunteered for it and he got all the treats in the world for it right so it is it's special it's different and it's especially for me uh i think it's really special because you don't speak the same language right Mm -hmm. um you can't say, hey, Val, what's wrong? I mean, you can. You can. There's, no, there's going to be no answer <laughs> that you understand. An You're getting zero yeah. answers. <laughs> so the fact that you can kind of have this open line of communication with them, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there's no common language. Um, it's body language. I mean, you're picking mm-hmm. up on, like you said, signs of limping. Of the, mm-hmm. I mean, it's rewarding to be able to have that to make up for, I got to sleep at the zoo for three nights this week yeah. because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, I don't want to, but I'm getting something on the other end out of it. Yeah, right. And, and it's always about their welfare. Yeah. It's always about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. The whole team is... The whole team in that, like buildings and grounds and the education department, everybody, you know, including park district wide, people are sending us newspaper for bedding and Mm -hmm. and making donations, uh, egg cartons, which we use for enrichment. So everybody is is on board with the animal welfare. So since you're talking about that, how can the community get involved with Kaiser Zoo? How can they help with 
um, you know, sending supplies or mm-hmm. things that recycling and that sort of stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. how can people do that with, you know, just the kindness of their heart? So there's a lot of ways that people can be involved with Cosley Zoo. Um, and to make sure I didn't forget, I did bring a list. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's long. So <laughs> it is. It's I'll try to, than trying it to memorize it. Yeah. Right. So just visiting, right? Every, every admission to the zoo helps further our conservation efforts with especially our flagship program, our Blanding's Turtle Project. Um, so just coming to the zoo, interacting with staff and, and asking questions. To be directly involved, there are a few ways. Um, we accept donations of like newspaper and um, egg cartons and old spent bottles of perfume or cologne that nobody wants to use anymore. Um, we have a running list of items that can be purchased and donated. We have an Amazon wish list that people can go and buy items for the animals. If anybody wants more information, you can visit CosleyZoo.org. Usually it has all of that Mm -hmm. event stuff on there. And I think the question that everybody wants to know that when you're planning like your trip to the zoo, what is the best time of the day to see the animals? Best time of day to see the animals. That one will change seasonally as well. Uh, Right after a fresh snow... As soon as the zoo opens, you should be there because most of the animals will be running around playing in it. (laughs) That's that's some good Instagram uh, videos and pictures for sure. Pretty much in the hot weather, close to 9 o'clock or close to, you know, 3 o'clock when it's starting to cool down is going to be good to see a lot of animal activity. All right, so I'm in charge of some of the summer camps here, Mm -hmm. and I know we've had you guys out with some of the animals. What are typically the most popular animals that you guys would bring out to summer camp um, to kind of show out and demonstrate and handle? Right now, the favorite is hedgehogs. Okay. For sure. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Everybody loves the rabbits as well, but I think the hedgehogs are probably the most requested. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think the tarantulas are going to be next. Ah, oh, they're pretty. They've got like highlights. Amy's face is like <laughs> gross right now. I'm terrified of spiders. Yeah, Absolutely I mean, most terrified. Most people aren't fan of spiders. I would think. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. ones in your house. I mean, tarantulas, if it's not in my house, cool, cool. great. I mean, yeah. I, I make agreements with the spiders in my house. You eat the flies and you stay in the corners and we don't have to evict <laughs> right. you. Yeah, right? You take care of your spart. I'll take care of Do mine. You. Let's not cross lines here. We can cohabitate. <laughs> yeah, they're good in the barn. Uh, they eat flies and mosquitoes. So I try not to mind them too much. Right. Um, every animal has a place in the ecosystem. Can't cherry pick them out. No, definitely not. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Again, Amy's got another gross face on. So definitely spiders are uh, one of her... Uh, Snakes and spiders. Phobias. Sorry. Okay. Snakes are great. Same thing. You stay I mean, in your I territory. I've had this conversation several times before. <laughs> She's tried to turn me to the other side, but I've not, I've not gone. You have to come see the hog nose. No, I'm good. She's like that <laughs> She's little. <laughs> I think I've seen her at like the Cosley Zoo outing or I think at Uncorked I had her from out. afar, yes. probably from a, a clear distance away. She's so yes. cute. Well, thank you very much for coming out, Jenny. It was very uh, enlightening and educational to uh, hear. I mean, Amy and I could have a million questions. We could sit here for hours, you know, asking you and drilling you on, on stuff at the zoo. So we really appreciate you coming out and hopefully we'll have you on again and uh, soon and ask those questions that, you know, we didn't get a chance to. That sounds great. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate this. 
Amy, what happened last month at the Wheaton Park District? Earlier this month, some of our in-person programming and virtual programming took off. We had a lot of registration, so it was really exciting for all of our staff and participants to come back into the park district, whether it be online. We had some virtual trivias. We had some virtual book readings. There was some craft pickups that you could do. There was a lot of athletic sports continued. So on behalf of everyone at the park district, we're really excited that participants in the community is starting to fill up some of our parks again. Yeah, we had a wide variety of programs, so it's uh, nice offerings. What uh, do we have coming up next month? So registration is now open for August of 2020. Classes begin as earliest as July 29th, um, but most begin on the 3rd. So we have a lot of really good offerings. There's some really fun stuff to do outside. There's a lot more athletic programs. For those who kind of want to keep it virtual, there is a murder mystery where you get different clues. So you have to solve the mystery. Similar to that, there's a stolen key scavenger hunt. So this allows you to get into most of the Wheaton parks and find some of those. There's also a few trivias. If you feel like music is more of your thing, there is music trivia and there's also sports trivia. So if you missed watching sports, attending or playing sports, you'll be able to release some of that into sports trivia and registration is open for the light the torch this race usually is in person but it moved virtual so you'll still be able to complete your 5k you'll get a t-shirt mailed to your house after the race registration is over we have a lot of outdoor programs over at the lincoln marsh if you're interested in registering for these classes or want to learn more visit wheatonparkdistrict.com So, Amy, do you know what this month is? July. Yes. Do you know (laughs) it is the one-year anniversary for a Talk in the Park podcast? Wow. I can't believe it's been a year. I know. Time flies. And it's been two years since the idea came up, which I think that's even crazier to think. That is crazy. So, since it's been the year anniversary, I figured let's kind of talk about the year in review, what was our favorite points, what we learned about, kind of what we're looking forward to for year two and what we can kind of, you know, bring to everybody that's uh, listened. So what what was the fun thing or your favorite thing from the last year that uh, we did for the podcast? There's two that really come to mind. It's been really fun um, since podcasts just started becoming more popular. I always thought it would be really fun to have a podcast. So being able to do it in a field that I'm really passionate about and being able to do it with coworkers has been really fun. And then also being able to interact and like interview some of my coworkers that I usually don't get to talk to or see on a daily basis and kind of learn more about what they do. For example, Jenny, on this episode, I learned a lot of behind the scenes about the zoo and I actually work right behind the zoo. So it's really interesting to hear more of that. But just being able to kind of talk to coworkers and just learn more about what they do. Yeah, I mean, some of the unique talents that we've uncovered from some people that are outside their normal job duties, I think are really cool. I think too, having some experts on like the uh, concussion uh, and having somebody from Northwestern Medicine to come out and kind of, you know, give us their information, tell us, you know, what they think is important and, you know, relay information that isn't just from the park district, but from outside organizations that we partner. So those are some things that I think were fun and things that I learned. What are you looking forward to for next year? What do, what do we have for the listeners that we're going to bring to the table? 
Yeah, so I think moving forward, things are obviously going to be different just based on what's going on in the world. And I'm excited to kind of adapt the podcast to what's going on um, and how the Park District is shifting some of its efforts to make programming safe for everyone. So I kind of look forward to the challenge of adapting the podcast to today. It's a new normal. Athletics, we have a new yeah. normal, a normal 2.0. And <laughs> I agree. I mean, podcasting is something that I think can shift very easily. There's a lot of platforms out there that allow you to interview people still without having to worry about being close to them. So I think learning and figuring out how we can utilize mm-hmm. that to our advantage and, you know, maybe gives us some other topics that we can, you know, try to you know, focus on this upcoming year and, you know, educate the residents on, hey, here's how we're doing to be safe. Here's what we're doing to still offer as many programs as possible. But again, safety and health is obviously the most important thing for, you know, the Wheaton Park District and our program. So I'm really looking forward to year two, you know, coming out with some great ideas. And, um, you know, hopefully everybody that listens is looking forward to year two as well. And if you got any questions that you want us to answer, feel free, uh, email us at podcast at wheatonparks.org. Thank you for listening. Be sure to download, rate, share, and subscribe to A Talk in the Park wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Wheaton Park District on Facebook and Instagram at Wheaton Park District. Additional information on Wheaton Park District programs and services can be found at wheatonparkdistrict.com. Until next time, this has been A Talk in the Park. A Talk in the Park is a production of the Wheaton Park District.